so we are here with uh, Trooper Eric Foster, who is part of Troop A Metro area. And we're talking about lots of different things um, with Trooper Foster today, but I kind of want to start out with you telling us like why you wanted to become a trooper because you you had a very a different background. I did. Before you came I, over here. I did. I had a, a much different background. I was actually in ministry. It was not a part of law enforcement. I didn't really look into the law enforcement uh, career path or anything like that. Uh, and I actually took a position with the Department of Public Safety for, for benefits because the benefits were good for my family at the time. And so that's why I did that. And that's what introduced me to uh, the men and women of the Highway Patrol. I started to meet uh, men and women who wore the brown uniform, and I saw that they were a different class of person uh, as far as their character was strong and uh, some of the things that they stood for and how they stood for them really made an impact on me. And that's when I began to explore, you know, I I want to be like that. I want my, you know, my children to be able to see their father be a man of character like that. And so I started to explore that night and, and I was um, lucky, so to speak, to have some men and women in my life that, uh, uh, that were troopers that were able to kind of pour that into me and encourage me uh, to go that route. And I say you come from a real different background, but that I'm sure you said that that kind of transferred that background kind of transferred with you. And it's something you can use in this job. It very much is this, in my opinion, it was the same. It was, it was very much uh, people centered and servant centered and trying to, to, uh, you know, just to be a help to people. And so, yes, it was very similar in my opinion. And I, and I've been able to use that on many times, you know, um, trying to help people on the side of the road, whether that be helping them or, taking them to jail. Sometimes taking people to jail is really helping them. Yeah. You, you're saving lives sometimes and they don't realize it at the time. And I've had those talks with people, you know, in the front seat of my car. We actually get, we'll get messages from people. Uh, you know, it'll be sometimes several years after the fact and they'll be like, I want to thank trooper so-and-so for arresting me, for writing me a ticket, whatever, because they say it changed the trajectory of my life. Sure. And it's a, it's a bad time in the moment, but very much so it, it, it can stop, uh, you know, an action and, and then make them uh, be able to see a turnaround. So it's been good. Estelle, I know you would probably say the same thing. And, oh, and I mean, your father was a pastor. You grew up in that, yeah. you know, in yeah. that too. And I know you've talked about helping people. That's one of your big things. Yeah. Um, obviously, I love taking people to jail. Yes. So um, that's part of my passion for the job. And, and uh, when I say passion, like I know Eric, you know, we were out of the same school and uh, he's my brother. So we we're very like minded in a lot of things. But, you know, when I'm breaking in new guys or talking to other troopers, you know, every day I pray that God puts me in the place that he where he needs me. Like he puts me where I can make a difference. And if that's changing tires all day then that's changing tires all day, if it's, you know, getting to take a bag out of jail, it's going to take somebody to jail um, that needs to go. So. Um, you know, every day, every shift, I pray over that and, and my partners and that he just uses me where he needs me. And, um, you know, I know Eric sh shares the same passion. You know, we we're out there, we're trying to find the people that do harm to others. And that's where, where our passion lies in that and, and training, training the other troopers that do come out to do the same thing. Um, if, you know, it takes all kinds of kinds to do this job 
And there are some of us who definitely have a calling to do that and have a passion for that. And, you know, like Eric was saying, like I've prayed with plenty of people when I've taken them to jail, if they'll let me, uh, I'll pray with them, uh, do what I can to, to help them out. And uh, by the end of it, you know, we treat people like human beings. So, you know, by the end of it. I know the majority of people know us as being on scene during a crash. And, and especially in rural areas, you know, uh, we show up on crashes and we are, we are what is known as, you know, as showing up. So the, uh, us being able to help people in a very traumatic situation, uh, we get to do that in the metropolitan areas. We get to do that numerous times a day where that's the worst thing that has happened in their lives for some people to get in a, in a car crash on the interstate. And we're there to help kind of calm things down and put things together and keep organization and things like that. So we help people in many different ways in that regard. Now it's time for our question of the day, brought to you by the Oklahoma Highway Patrol. Okay, Lieutenant Perkins, anyone who's lived in Oklahoma for a number of years or is from Oklahoma surely remembers the classic black and white OHP Cruiser, whether it was the classic Crown Vic, the new Dodge Charger, the Chevy Tahoe, or the Ford Expedition. They all had that classic black and white look. Well, in the last couple of years, folks may have noticed that the black and white has gone away. Uh, Why is that? Well, there might be multiple reasons why, but one I do know is the cost. Uh, It's cheaper to have, you know, the one color car. It's cheaper for us to put new vehicles out on the road that are a solid, either black or white. Um, I did, I was fortunate enough when I got out of patrol school to, my first patrol car was a black and white and it was pretty awesome. Um, I only had it for a day, but it was awesome. Um, so yes, historically, you know, we are known for our black and whites, but you know, there might be, you know, a, pl- a plethora of reasons on why, uh, but one I do know is it is cheaper to go with a solid color. Um, and we need to get safe cars out there to our guys. So if we can cut the cost and make sure we get more cars on the road, then, uh, then that's what we'll do. Thanks, Lieutenant Perkins. And now back to the podcast. And one of your, the recent roles that you've fulfilled, Trooper Foster, is um, you know field training. So we just graduated our 66th Academy in July of 2020. And... Um, but once those those cadets graduate, that's not that's not the end of their training. Then they come out and they do field training on the job with you guys. So tell us a little bit about that program and, and how it works, like what happens when they get out of the academy and start hitting the roads. So when they come out of the academy, they're really prepared in a, a basic level as far as officer safety and being able to make sure that uh, things are taken care of on really a basic level. Uh, when we get them at field training, we're really teaching the intricacies of the job as far as uh, identifying violations, identifying someone that really needs to be dealt with as far as, you know, uh, they're they're a danger to society and identifying that because nobody's going to tell you the truth. Nobody's going to say, hey, it's me. Take me to jail. So we have to see what we see and then observe that, that that is not normal behavior generally for 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 normal, you know, a normal person. And so uh, it, that takes a lot of training to be able to identify, to be able to see. It's a lot of experience involved uh, that we try to impart on them. But I take it very seriously uh, because um, 
as you know, Trooper Perkins has said many times, it is so much of a mindset. Um, and we have to have that mindset. Uh, a trooper is not a nine to five clock in clock out type of thing. It is a lifestyle. And that lifestyle goes with us even when we're off duty. We have that same mentality. Uh, and so to be able to impart that with cadets is, uh, it, it can be a daunting task. And especially some of these guys come out and they have no prior law enforcement experience. And I didn't. And so, you know, and I, I grew up in a, in a, a home that I would classify maybe as sheltered. So I had no idea that the world could be as dark as it is. And then, you know, when you put your foot in it and you see it, it's, it, it, it can be overwhelming very quickly. And so we try to teach those, uh, you know, those men and ladies as they come out, how to see that and how to handle that. Absolutely. Like, um, you know, going, we could go on and on and on about identifying, you know, criminal activity and, you know, what that looks like. And, and, uh, I know you are the same, like your life is in the details. And so when you live by that, it, it's exhausting. When you live by your life is in the details, you pay attention all the time. You're at a heightened state of awareness, um, even more so than other troopers a lot of times, um, especially when you're training them. So that is exhausting. And, uh, having said that, you know, coming home, you do have to cycle off of that to some degree. And, and if you don't have a routine for me anyway, a routine, it gets really easy to want to just sit in front of the TV and eat, you know, bad food or whatever. I'm a comfort eater. I'll admit it. Like if, if I didn't comfort eat, then I'd look like awesome. Like I have to work out a lot. So I just look like this, right? Imagine if I didn't work out. God, she does look no, I mean, I think about it. I'm like, man, if, if, if I, Put the Cheetos, open. right. If, if I didn't, if I didn't go comfort eat all day, like, golly, I'm meat and potatoes kind of girl too. I don't even eat chocolate and stuff all the time, whatever. Anyway, I'm just saying like you do cycle off of that and just, you know, um, being aware of it and understanding it best you can and seeking out guidance. So the, the one thing that I, that I say is if you're insecure about something or you don't know something, change it. So if you are insecure about your skills, your fighting skills, your case knowledge skills, Whatever it is, if you're insecure about it, you change it. There's, I have no room for excuses, and that's how I live in my life. Um, and I try to surround myself with people who will hold me accountable, like Eric. Um, if I'm slipping on something and I'm getting lazy, I expect him to tell me that. That's You develop those relationships. You can trust a person. You know, We've worked together our whole career. And, and I've had some pretty intense yeah. interactions between each other. And that's that's good. That's And that's yeah. the kind of the culture that we're in is we're very raw with each other. And it helps us hold each other accountable. And it also helps us uh, to, you know, iron sharpeneth iron, so to speak. And, and so uh, we use that. And we do that with, with our cadets as they come out, too. We, we, some, you know, some people might watch us from a distance and go, man, you guys are really hard on them. And we are to a point because this is, this is a different type of arena that you're in. I mean, um, you know, you strap on a a vest and put a gun on your hip every day when you walk out, really, honestly, not knowing if you'll come back. And so that mindset that is involved in that uh, has to be established. And so that's what we do in the field training program is we establish that mindset. And, and it is a fine line with, you know, we're dealing in an area where the majority of people that we deal with are innocent motoring public 
but there's that one or two in there and we don't know who those are and we won't know until we have contact with them. And so they have to be ready for that. Tell, tell us a little bit about it, how, like how long it takes for their field training. And it, it's in, um, it's in phases, right? It is in phases. Um, uh, we, we do, uh, I believe it's a San Jose model, which is what the, you know, the agencies, multiple agencies around the country do. And it's in a four phase system. Um, and that first phase is, is very much just trying to get them, you know, their feet on the ground. And then we move to a second phase where they start to do progressively more independent things. And by the fourth phase, we're merely observers and making sure that things are, are done correctly. Um, and so, I mean, there's a lot of detail as far as how to, with the highway patrol, we don't have, uh, spe- you know, necessarily on the side of the road, we don't have investigators when we make a DUI arrest. We are everything from the contact on the traffic stop to charges being presented to the DA. And so we have to teach them that whole process on how to file those charges, how to make sure the investigation is complete, things like that. So uh, it, those four phases are very intense. And, and we have 15 working days through phases one, two, and three. And then when we get to phase four, it's a 10 working day. Uh, and we're very much that the field training trooper is an observer. Let and, them work. And so like we've said a lot, a lot of the cadets don't make it through the academy. I mean, it'll, you know, they, they'll be weeded out in the academy because it's a very difficult academy. And then even if they do make it out of the academy, some of them don't make, you're not necessarily going to make it through field training either. Some of them don't make it through field training. That That is correct. And, you know, it's, it's slim because by the time they come out of the academy, they are, they have been vetted very well. Um, and, and it's just the nature of the game. You're, you're going to have some that with the numbers that go through get missed in there that, you know, we find out when we're in a one-on-one setting uh, that they're not bad people. They may not have the personality that will make them successful and get them home safely. And so um, we identify that there. But it is very intense. It's very tough. The the paperwork, uh, our job is, and people don't see it this way, but it's very paperwork intensive. And so for an arrest, it might take me six hours or four hours to do the paperwork on that arrest or gather evidence and things like that. So um, it's very intense and, and we take a lot of time and a lot of pride. I do. I take a lot of pride in teaching a, a guy that comes out and has invested that much time and that much effort and that much of their family's time and effort to go through our academy as difficult as it is and to come out and do this job. I, I'm very serious in making sure we're not just pushing some guy out that can, you know, take a report. Uh, he's he's going to be a guy that can identify crime in progress. And that's the way I look at it. Agreed. And the best advice like that I could give would be, you know, you can tell the difference between someone who is playing to win versus someone who's playing not to lose. And in that training environment, if you're playing not to lose, you will not do well. Um, if you're just training to get by, you're not going to do well because you uh, will second guess everything you do. And you're just there to hopefully pass for the day. Um, I let the guys who guys and girls that I've trained, I let them know from the from from Jump Street, play to win, and let's go and learn how to do this. Like I want you to learn what you're doing. I want you to be sure about what you're doing when, while I'm here, because uh, you might you know be in a county by yourself, and there's not going to be someone else there to help you or give you guidance. So the best advice I can give to anyone who's you know thinking about 
joining up or applying, you, you know, if you're, if you can get through the academy and you get into break-in, you need to play to win, not, not, not to lose. Uh, you can tell a difference. And I know Eric, you can tell a difference from, oh, from people is. who come out who, who play to win and, and those who are, who want who want to learn and want, want to succeed and, uh, and, and do a good job. Not that the others don't, but there's a clear difference. And, uh, that's the best advice I could give. Learn what you, learn everything you can while you can. We are very fortunate to have excellent break-ins. So, um, and we were trained well and I'm, I'm so grateful every day and I make phone calls a lot to the guys that broke me in, uh, and ask, you know, advice on different things. Um, and then other, you know, we call them litter mates, those that have gone through our academies where we're brothers and sisters. And so I'm constantly contacting Trooper Perkins all the time and, uh, you know, on advice and things like that. So, uh, it's a good culture. It's a good brotherhood and sisterhood. You know, we, we, are together and really tight knit and we clash sometimes just cause just like brothers and sisters do. We, we, we we're so in close contact and, and we're involved in intense situations all the time. And so uh, that happens. Uh, but that doesn't mean we don't love each other. It, it's a, it's a great, uh, it's a great, uh, family to be a part of. Now it's time for the Highway Safety Update, brought to you by the Oklahoma Highway Safety Office. Let's talk about school bus crashes. In 2019, there were 225 crashes involving school buses in Oklahoma, involving a total of 1,691 people, injuring 107 people, and killing one person. Of no surprise, 73% of school bus crashes happened on city streets, followed by 9% on county roads. 40% of the time, the contributing factor that led to these crashes was not the fault of the school bus driver. 9.6% of the 225 crashes were caused by the driver of the school bus failing to yield. 8.8% were due to inattention by the school bus driver. And 8.3% were caused by an improper turn by the school bus driver. You can find these and more stats on our website, ohso.ok.gov. None of these crashes were accidents. All of them could have been prevented. We ask that you do your part. Slow down, buckle up, put your phone down. Always drive sober and drive safe. Live up to the Oklahoma standard. And now back to the podcast. I can't imagine as a cadet in that very first time, you know, that you, you pull over that vehicle and you walk up, you know, to that vehicle. And, and I, what, what do you see on these like the guys and girls when it's their very first time. So we, we spend a lot of time with them on uh, officer safety, officer safety, officer safety, making sure. And they take it to an extreme very much. You can tell in <laughs> the and the person that we've stopped because of a traffic violation can tell as well. They'll look back at us yeah. and they'll go, you're in training, right? <laughs> like it, it's they're not doing anything wrong. It's right. just very tense, yeah. you know, and very they haven't kind of figured out how to, uh, you know, how to, uh, to see, you know, see what they're seeing. Right. Um, and so it's, it's humorous to sit back and watch. That's not wrong. It's just, you gotta right. kind of knock off the edges a little bit and, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, mold that. I'll admit, like, I won't speak about any of the other, other people I've trained, but I'll, I'll throw myself under the bus. I will <laughs> yeah, never let's forget. Hear about your I will time. never forget my first traffic stop with Mike Muller ever. <laughs> I'll yeah. never forget it. Yeah. Um, Mike is great. He's, he's, he, in my opinion, is, is the best FTT. Um, so, uh, and I was fortunate enough to have him, but, uh, 
It was for a window tent. I remember uh, this pickup, 44 southbound at 10th Street. Uh, no, 15th Street, Southwest 15th Street, as a little pickup, S10 pickup. And he's like, you think that window tent's a little far down on their windshield? And it was like halfway down. So I was like, uh, yeah. He's like, okay, let's do it. So you don't know how to do anything. Like, this is, what like, I tell this is your very first yes. time. Yes. yes. Your very so, first time. So, like, he's, like, asking me what the violation is. I'm like, I don't, I don't know the numbers to it. And then he's like, well, where are you? And I was like, I don't even know where I'm at. And then I'm, like, trying to figure out where I'm at. And he's like, well, are you going to hit your lights? And I'm like, uh. And then you're trying to figure it out. And I, by the time I got I was like, I didn't even know. I had no idea. So I tell I tell the guys when they come out, I'm like, you, you're going to mess everything up. You will. You will mess it all up because I will never forget that traffic stop, that poor fella. I know he was like am I ever going to get a warning or a ticket? Like, can I please just leave? Like it's been like 45 minutes and this girl still doesn't know what she's doing. Like it, it wasn't, it's, now it's funny to laugh about because it's, you know, but I was, I was stressed out. I bet. Imagine like, like now, like, you know, we're an expert at our basic operating system, meaning talking on the radio and driving and, mm-hmm. you know, doing all that. But when you're new, imagine, imagine trying to hit the lights and get on the, on the mic or get on the mic and hit the lights and try to figure out where you're going to pull someone over and know what you're doing. It, it was, it was well, then, and breaking them in at night. So oh, in, yeah. in nights, overnights in the Metro, you're breaking yeah. a guy in and he's having to control lighting. He's having to control where he's at and take care and pay attention to traffic and call out the license plate to make sure that we know what vehicle he's on and mm-hmm. all of these different things. And he's so many, he's talk about multitasking. Oh, yeah over and over and then messing with the computer to make sure that this car is not in, yeah. you know, a stolen car before he makes an approach on it and all of these things. And it's funny to watch these guys, just hands are going everywhere. And, yeah. and, and sometimes uh, they're not even going where they should be. They're just like going, you know, like, hey, they're like, where, hey, where are we going? That's not important right yeah. now. Stop. Yeah. You know? yeah. And you just have to yeah. deal with it. But, and you know, Mike would make us run it over the, over, over the air too. We had to do everything. So then the you air. had to remember the alphabet. So you're like, uh, Adam, Adam. Oh yeah, our phonetic alphabet was yeah, awful. Adam, I had no Lamont, idea. Mary. Nope, nope. That's not it. You know what I mean? So it's just like trying to remember it. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Don't throw anybody under the bus. But has there been anything funny that's happened this time with this with latest? This, vet, yeah, with, with this, this latest group. group? There. Yeah. <laughs> don't give us names. Okay. Just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I had. I had. I was breaking in one. I've. I've. I've been able to break in several this time. I'm breaking in one, and he. Uh, stopped on this car that was just on the side of the road. Flashers was, were on, and he stopped as a welfare check. When check, make sure they were okay. It was kind of outside of the metro area, so you know they wouldn't have had immediate help. So he was checking on them. Pulls up. As he pulls up, he was already in his mindset that uh, this this person is you know just somebody needs help. Well, in our in our way of operating, we can't. We have to defer to this might be a criminal, first of all. And then if they're not, then that's okay. But they might be. And so that changes our game into a safety mode, um, trying to uh, determine if there's a crime being committed or, or not. So he was already in the mindset of, oh, this is just, a, you know, somebody needs help. And so in my brain, as a trainer, I'm thinking this is somebody who's a, who could be a criminal. So we make an approach up to the vehicle and the guy is sitting in the car and he has no shirt on, no pants on. He's in his underwear and he is completely, obviously intoxicated. So, and I teach my, you know, the guys that I'm breaking in, is it medical? It could be medical. Is it 
Is it because he's violating law? Is we, There's so many things you got to figure out. But he was so caught off guard because he was just going up there to, hey, everything all right? And to watch him struggle, I let him struggle a little bit because that's some, sometimes that's the best way for certain personalities to learn, to struggle through it, struggle through it. And then when you see that I'm making headway, then you try to could direct them a little bit. Uh, but yeah, he struggled for a little bit and then finally got his feet under him, you know, and ended up making making a, a good arrest on it and which was a difficult arrest to make but he he did a great job yeah is that it, more difficult when people don't have clothes on it yes <laughs> it, it's a it's a different uh different tactic i should say and then i had another one who uh it was just a crash and it was the same type of of ideas a crash and he walks up and the lady that was driving later on we find out she was on pcp and he was very like, oh, I haven't seen this before. Where do I need to go with this? You know, and and so to watch him to watch him learn while he's doing it is is very rewarding. Uh, but he was a soft spoken guy, and sometimes a person on PCP is you know you've got to be very quick and decisive with dealing with them because they'll cycle up and down and. And so he was able to make a good arrest on that. But I stirred him up a little bit. I said, hey, man, this guy's on PCP. You know, are you going to fight somebody today? Because I don't, you know, are you ready for that? You know, just trying to get his mindset. And he was like, oh, I didn't think of that. You know, well, you got to be thinking about that. You got to see the observations and and know, well, this could be dangerous or not. And so I know they're, they're doing so good right now. Uh, and uh, we're just proud of them. We're glad to have them. We joke about this, but in all seriousness and why our academy, one of the reasons our academies are so difficult and we train so intensely and then the field training is, um, you know, what a lot of people will see, obviously police departments <clears throat> have to train like this also. But for a trooper, you could be covering an entire county on your own or several. So if you're on the side of the road and you encounter trouble, I mean, you don't know how far, far away backup is. So you have to you have to have all those skills at the ready. And it's so important for your safety. Yeah, observation skills, that that living in the fine details. And that's what our academy teaches so well is identifying the fine details. Those little bitty things that nobody else saw, but that will determine sometimes life and death on a traffic stop or a contact with someone. Um, and so, you know, we are, uh, I'm proud to say that the Highway Patrol is very good at training that. Uh, but then beyond that, in the field training side, we 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 very much you know train that and teach that. Hey, did you see that? Did you see that? Did you see how they responded to you? Is that normal? Do do normal people respond that way? Yes, they're nervous. We're not talking about nervous. We're talking about the aggression or the uh, or the way that they answered that. It was a you know it was a very simple. A normal person would say, well, yes or no. But they didn't answer that way. Why? And so to teach them that way, you know, those observations are very critical because you're right. There's very often we are the only one and you'll stop, a, you know, a pickup truck with four people in it that are all intoxicated. And now the odds are are by number are stacked against you. And, you know, we we train our troopers a certain way to be able to handle that. And they do need to be ready for it. So it is very dangerous. It's not for the faint of heart, but it's also for a personality that says, you know what, I I want to keep people safe. 
And uh, if that means I take bad guys to jail tonight, I take bad guys to jail. If that means I help an innocent person get home, I help an innocent person get home. But whatever that case is, it, it's very much a personality. It's not just a job. And you have to be prepared for either scenario. That's going to be hard because those are two extremely different scenarios. This group of cadets, they're getting ready to they're getting ready to be on their own, aren't they? They are. Uh, majority of them in uh, the metropolitan area are already. And so we've just got a couple uh, left that, that haven't and, you know, due to different things, but like illness and things like that. So we're excited. They're already out working. Uh, and it's, it's really, it hadn't quite doubled our manpower, but it got it close and it helps quite a bit. Which it does. We still need more. Yes. <laughs> yes, we do. And one of those that he hasn't started training yet, though, is your brother, Mistel. That's right. Mistel's brother. That's right. Because of an injury in the academy, he has not started his field he training hasn't. yet, but he'll be, he'll be doing that soon, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. He just wanted matching scars. That's what I tell him. I was like, you don't have to be just like me. Oh. Like, come on. Like, you didn't need to go get hurt so you could have matching scars, man. Oh. But He wants to be out there. Yeah, he does. He's, he's ready. He's excited about it. And, you know, I've been trying to keep him occupied because he's he's getting a little down. I know what it's like. Anytime, you know, we've both been injured. Yeah. Uh, Eric and I both have been injured, you know, on the job and stuff. And it's hard being, it's hard being at home and knowing your partners are out there. And, you know, you want to be with them and you want to be there and be there to help them. So, and it's also like a perishable skill. Oh, absolutely. The, the, the way to observe and the way to talk to people and the way to, it, it, it goes away with, you know, when you're not using it. And oh, so, absolutely. you know, uh, you've got to, uh, when you're off, it's difficult. And then coming back, you know, it's, it's uh, getting back into the groove. Trooper Foster, we appreciate you coming in to talk to us about this. Thank you. I appreciate it.